Well, you know, there are some times in our lives when we face struggles in our faith, where we face some difficult times, a testing of our faith, a shaking of our faith that leaves us doubting, leaves us worrying, and we're overwhelmed. And so we find that our problems are too big, our struggles are too deep, and we don't know what to do. We feel like we're losing control. So we pray and we cry out to God asking for help, but it seems that all we hear back is silence, is nothing. And it's hard for us to keep believing. It's hard for us to keep our faith because we feel pain. We feel sorrow. We feel hurt. We feel disappointment. We feel alone. And our faith becomes tested and we start to wander. You know, there's a story in Luke's writings of an interaction between Jesus and Peter over a meal. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says this. He says, Peter, the devil has asked to sift you. He's asked to tempt you, to test you, and he's determined to shake your faith. See, folks, what was true then is even still true today that Satan is out there determined to shake your faith. His goal every single day is to get you to stumble, is to get you to fall is to get you to worry, to get you to doubt, to get you to feel fear, to make you angry against God. And you know what? It's working. He's winning. And the reason I know this is because it doesn't take long to look around and see people who are hurting and frustrated, disappointed and angry at God. And so they say, you know what? I demand answers. I want answers. God, why am I going through these things in my life? And so where do they go to find all the right answers? Well, they go to church because church has all the right answers, right? But you see, here's where they encounter their next problem. They get out of their cars, they make their way down the steps and grab a cup of coffee and eventually change a warm handshake and a friendly smile. They make their way inside. And as they sit there and begin to listen to the person speaking, slowly they find themselves to begin sleeping. (laughs) Their eyelids are getting heavy. Their head starts to nod back and forth. It's almost like you're in a hypnotic trance that you can't control. And you've tried to master all the techniques from chewing mints to chewing gum, chewing on your pen, or maybe by opening up your phone to pretend like you're taking notes, but you're really surfing through Facebook and ESPN. We know who you are. But it seems like nothing works. No matter how hard you try, you just can't stay awake. Do you know why? It's because when you come to church you find that almost there's this approach to teaching as let's just cover the material. Here's a fun story from scripture. Here are three or four bullet points that I think that you should know that are important to me, so I want to tell them to you, so write these down, and now God bless you, go on your way, we'll sing a song of worship and have a good day. But there's no application. There's no meat. There's no challenge or transformation. And the real reason why people like shorter and shorter and shorter messages is because, well, they're bored. It's because they're not engaged. They're disinterested. They can't see where God is working. They don't feel God present in this place anymore. And the sad reality is is it's calling more and more Americans to leave the church every single day. 
Now, I just finished reading a really interesting book called You Lost Me by David Kinnaman. David Kinnaman is the president of the Barna Group. Some of you may have heard that group before. They do all kinds of amazing surveys and studies, and they surveyed over the last couple of years thousands of people who called themselves Christians, who were born and raised and grew up in the church, but eventually at some point in their life decided to leave. And when he asked them about their experience, about why they chose to leave, it was very shocking what he heard. And he said, it all could be summed up like this, as I'm paraphrasing. He says, the main response was, the church does a great job in showing us how not to be of the world, but fails to equip us on how to live in the world. Church is great storytellers. Church is great narrators. This is fun passage in scripture. Let me tell you about it, and it's going to make you feel good. And now go off on your way and have a good day. But there's no application. There's no real life practicality to it. And we walk away saying, hey, that was a great message. I feel good, but you know what also feels good? Food in my stomachs. Where am I going for lunch? And it's almost like the message doesn't mean anything. And this is why we see more and more people leaving the church today now than they ever have before. The sad reality is through his book, he writes about how all of this trend can be traced really back to the church because we're no longer teaching like Jesus taught. You see, when Jesus taught, when he opened up the words of the Old Testament, when he opened up the writings and he began to speak, man, it was amazing. It was different. It was challenging. It was unsettling. It was confrontational. It caused people to go into discussions. It caused people to argue. It caused people to question themselves because it was challenging. But somehow we've lost that. You see, when Jesus taught, he taught from a place of application, not just a place of knowledge and understanding. And I think that's something that we need to bring back into the church, that we really need to seek to focus more on in our lives. You see, when you begin to see the Bible as something that God wants you to do, well, that's when your faith gets bigger. When you see the Bible, not as some fun story, not as some illustration, but rather God's instruction says, hey, you want a better life? Here you go. Do these things. That's when your faith starts to grow. It's not enough, Jesus says, just to come to church and listen to a message and say, you know what? Jesus loves me because I came today, because I heard him speak, and because I've been faithful to him, well, he's going to be faithful to me. So God, how are you going to make my life better? God, what are you going to do for me? And then we experience these tough moments in our lives, these trials, these tribulations, these struggles that take us to our knees, and we question, God, what's going on? I don't understand. I went to church read the Bible. Why am I struggling? I don't get it. You see, the sad reality is that here in America, we've equated this idea of religion, of spirituality, of Christianity, of faith even, as being dependent on whether or not you went to church that weekend. Man, I'm connected to God because I went to church. Man, I feel so close to God because I've had this great connection with him and everything is going great in my life. Maybe your life would be better if you came to church more often. Jesus says, that's not what it's about. He says, not at all. He says, if you truly want to see your faith explode, if you want to see your faith get bigger, it's not about knowledge. It's not about learning. It's about doing. It's about being practical with what you've heard. Not just attending, not just listening, but taking action upon the things he's calling us to do, the things that he has given to us to make a better life. Somehow we lose sight of that. But you know what, folks? The truth is this, that your faith intersects with God's faithfulness 
when you begin to do what he's called you to do. That's the truth of it. And I know that this is difficult. I know that this isn't easy. It's tough. And Jesus knew this as well. He knew that the people wouldn't respond to this. He knew that it would be tough for them, but he knew it was the only thing that could truly bring about change in their life. You know, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is finishing up probably one of his most important sermons today called the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he had pretty much radically changed their entire way of thinking. He challenged what the scribes, what the religious leaders, what the Pharisees had taught their entire life. And he says that all that is great, but this is really what matters the most. This is what you need to do. And he turned their world upside down. And I'm sure people were angry. People rebelled. People were probably upset with what he had to say, but he still preached it even as confrontational as it may be, because he knew it was the foundation in which they needed to build their life upon. And so he goes on at the very end of Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to say this. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. He says, you want your faith to grow? You want to see real change come in your life? Then you've got to do something with what you're hearing. If you truly want to experience God in the midst of your circumstances and situations of your life, you got to start living practically as the Bible has called you to. It's not enough just to sit. It's not enough just to attend. It's not enough just to hear. You've got to take action. You've got to do more. Your salvation isn't based upon, man, that was a great sermon that I heard today. I'm going to go off and forget about it. No, it's based upon doing what it is that the Lord has called you to do. And he knew that, and that's why he preached this message that if you truly want to see change in your life, if you truly want to be like this person who built their house upon the rock, then you've got to put yourself in environments and engagements where you're practically being taught the word of God, where you can walk away saying, you know, that's a great sermon, but I know exactly what it is that God is calling me to do. In the reality of my life, this is what I need to change. This is the step that I need to take. This is what I need to do. That's what God calls us to do. That's the person who puts God's words into practice, like the wise men who builds their house upon the rock. And Jesus even gives them a promise. Look at this. He goes on in the next verse to say this. He says that the rains came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. He says, look, the reason why this house and this little fictitious parable that I'm telling you didn't fall, it's not because it knew the storm was coming. It's not because it had all the right materials or it knew about building. No, it's because it was built upon the rock. There was action that was applied to it. It wasn't just enough to know, not just enough to acquire knowledge. It's about taking physical, practical steps towards action. I mean, think of it like this is nutrition, right? I can read all the nutrition books. I can go to all the seminars, listen to all the motivational speakers, buy all the right material, but is that going to do me any good? No, it's not going to do me a lick of good until I start eating healthy. I start thinking healthy. I start living healthy. I start working out healthy when I take action and I apply what I'm learning. Jesus says, if you truly want to be like this person, if you truly want to see that change come in your life, if you truly want to be different, if you want to be markedly different and have your faith explode, you need to be a doer. Not enough just to be a hearer. You know why? Because look at this. He goes on in the next part of this verse and he says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine but does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
as difficult as that may be to hear, this is what he's calling us to. He says, look, you can come, you can sit in a seat, you can listen to a message, but it's going to do you no good. If you're basing your entire faith, your religion, your Christianity, your spirituality on whether or not you are a butt in a seat today, you're going to be like the person in the sifting sand. And when trials come, when tribulations come and your world gets shaken, do you know what happens when you're on sand? You sink. And at that moment, when you find yourself on your knees crying out to God, God, I don't understand why is this happening to me? I've done everything that I thought that you've asked me to do. God says, I'm glad that you were there. I'm glad that you were listening. But what have you done? What actions have you taken? What steps have you put in place to physically live out the Bible, the words of God in the reality of your life? Because odds are a lot of us fall short of that. It's not like our attendance is based upon salvation, right? Like God's looking up in heaven. Oh, I see Chuck's here today. Oh, and there's Kathy. But oh my gosh, you know, man, it looks like Charles isn't here. That's three weeks in a row. He's out, right? It's not how it happens. He says, it's not enough just to attend. It's not enough just to listen. It's not enough just to understand. It's not enough just to know. Those things are great, but you got to do something with it. He's called us to be people of action. People who are doers, not just merely hearers of the word. Because you know what happens if you just hear and you don't act upon it? Look at this. In the rest of this verse, he goes on to say, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he had taught as one who had authority, not as their teacher of the law. See, during this time, the teachers of the law were all about knowledge. Here's something you didn't know. Learn this piece of information. Memorize this scripture. Memorize this writing. Know this principle. Do this. Do this. Like, know this stuff. Know this stuff. Know this stuff. And Jesus comes in in this sermon, and he says, hey, that's great. I'm glad that you know all of this stuff. But now that you know it, what are you going to do about it? He says, it's great to know, but you've got to take it the next step. You've got to put action behind it. You've got to actually put the words of God into the reality of your everyday experience. And what does that look like? How do you experience change in your life? You forgive more. You love more. You extend second chances more. You offer your hand more. You give generously. You become sacrificial. These are the type of practical, applicable steps that God calls us to. And they're different for everyone. They're different in all the situations and circumstances in our life. But he's saying, look, don't be like the foolish person. Because if you think that you're saved just because you came to church, well, here's a rude wake-up call for you. That's not how it works. You've got to do something. You've got to be practical about what you're hearing. You've got to listen to everything and actually learn to apply it in your real world and what that looks like. It's about obedience, not about attendance. That's really what it comes down to. And so that's why I think when we come to church and we hear somebody up front speaking, you've got to ask yourself some important questions. You've got to say, is what I'm hearing helpful? Do I walk away feeling good or do I walk away feeling challenged? Yeah, maybe you could have somebody up here who's the best speaker, who uses their hands, is really engaging or shows really cool Mr. Bean videos, right? And you could walk away being like, man, that was a great sermon because I never thought I'd see Mr. Bean in service, right? But then if I ask you a week from now, what did we talk about? Falling asleep in church. <laughs> That's great, right? 
But what have you done with what you're learning? That's why you need to question. You need to say, hey, you know what? This could have been the most awesome, the most awe-inspiring service, but what am I being called to do? What action steps am I being asked to take? How am I being asked to practically live out the reality of the gospel in the midst of my own life? You know, I think it's important for us to know that we have this whole idea of church backwards. We have this idea that church is this calm, reflective, meditative, peaceful, easy feeling kind of place. And sometimes when we come to church, we sit in the seats and it's like we're at a, a performance, right? We just heard this rock star worship concert. We heard this amazing motivational speaker that just left us feeling engaged. And we walk away saying, man, that didn't really feel like church, right? Because church is like, oh, let me think and process this. But like something was moving, something was different, something was challenging me to take action. You know what? That's what church is. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a place for this peaceful quietness of church. But let me tell you this, that anytime anybody comes and opens up these words, anybody, doesn't matter who it is, anytime somebody comes and teaches these words, it's challenging. It's difficult. It's radical. It's turn your world upside down. It's argumentative. And the reason why is because it's calling us to change. It says, hey, look, obviously if you're here, you're not happy with how something's going on in your life. You're missing something. You're searching for something. And if you truly want to find the answers, if you truly want to change, here's what you do. It's right here in front of you. But you have to make the decision on whether or not to do it. You have to make the decision to follow through with it, as difficult as it may be, because let's be honest, we hate change, right? We don't like to change. We don't like being challenged, and that's exactly what this book does. It challenges us. It challenges us to change us, to make us feel something's off. And I know that it's difficult because sometimes we can walk away from church feeling angry, right? I'm upset because I feel unsettled. I feel that something was said that just didn't resonate well with me. I feel challenged. I feel maybe guilty. I feel like maybe I've done something wrong. I, I'm not quite sure. And you go home and it just sticks in your mind and you're mulling over it. And I would love nothing more than this scenario for you to say, you know what? What Matt had to say, something was off to me. Something just didn't sit right, and I'm not quite sure. It just, I love attending church. I think it's great that we're there, and now he's calling us to do more. I don't see how that applies. You know what? Let me read these passages. So that way I can come back next week with an informed opinion and say, ha-ha, look, this is really what this passage is about. So there you go. And prove me wrong. But you know why I would love that? Because if I can get you to go home and to dig into the Bible and read on your own, God is one and Satan has lost. Because that's what this book is all about. It's about challenging you. It's about turning your world upside down. Everywhere that Jesus went, everywhere that Jesus preached, when he would open these words, it was radical. People hated him because of it, because of what he was calling, because he knew the truth was what would change people's lives. The truth is what would really make that transformation as hard as it may be to hear. And people did not respond well to it. I think of a passage in Luke chapter 4. Jesus had just finished going through the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And he comes into town and he's preaching in the synagogues these parables and passages. And he goes really deep into them and it upsets the people and they challenge him. Who do you think you are? 
How dare you come and talk about this stuff in front of us? And he tells them plainly who he is. And he continues preaching and turning the world upside down. And look at this in verse 28, 29 says, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of the town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. That is a great sermon. Now, I'm not saying I want you guys to drive me out of here and throw me off of the overpass onto the train tracks, right? That's not what it's about. But this is what the church was all about. It's about eliciting an emotion. It's about eliciting a response. It's about eliciting a feeling that challenges you to do something more. And somehow the sad reality is that we've gotten away from that. That we're no longer teaching like Jesus taught. Because when he taught people left immediately knowing this is what I need to do to change my life. Not just how to do it, not just what to do, but here are the practical one, two, three steps in which I can take to fix my life, to get back on track with God. And it wasn't just Jesus. I mean, you look at Peter, for example, everywhere that Peter went, every town that he went to, that he opened the words of scripture and he would preach from what happened. He got arrested. He got stoned. He was tried to be murdered. He was sent off to prison. He was shipwrecked, right? Everything happened to him because anytime anybody opens the words of scripture and says, this is how you live a better life, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging. But God says, if you truly want that life for yourself, you got to do it. You've got to take that step of faith. And when you start taking that step of faith, it means that you're placing your trust and your faith in God. God, I don't know what it is that you're calling me to do right now. God, I don't know what's happening. I can't see the other side of this. God, it seems like everything is piling up and I don't know what you're trying to do, but I trust in you. And I'm going to be faithful to do it. Because your faith intersects with God's faithfulness when you begin to stand on your theology and do what scripture has called you to do. That's what it comes down to, folks. It's about obedience, about heeding the word of God, about listening to his message, about listening to what he is calling you to do. And it's different for everybody. It's challenging. But you know, the sad reality, the fact of it all comes down to this. You know, the devil doesn't bother with people who have little faith because they're not a threat. They're not an issue and they're going to crumble soon enough. But the people who are big faithers, the people who have faith in God and his kingdom, they're a threat. They're a challenge. They're dangerous. They're an issue to be reckoned with. And that's why Satan is out to destroy them. That's why he went after Peter. That's why we went after Job. And that's why he comes after you and me. The sad reality is, folks, the storms of life are coming. They're here. The rains are coming down, the streams are rising, the wind is blowing and beating against our homes, our houses. What foundation are you built on? Are you looking at scripture as your rock saying, I actually practically want to live this in the reality of my life? Or are you saying, I'm content enough to just hear and not take action? And so I figured as I end this service, it would be really ironic and terrible for me to be like, all right, let's pray and end this message and be like, he just talked about practical teaching and giving us steps and like didn't give us any, right? It'd be kind of awkward. So I think one of the best things that you can do going away from this, the best thing that I can encourage you to do is this. You truly want to see change in your life? You truly want to experience your faith grow? Odds are there's something in your life right now that you're struggling with. 
maybe a decision you're trying to decide, maybe an issue that you're trying to work through, maybe a family scenario, maybe a feeling. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's going on inside your life that you're searching for answers for. Maybe you know what the answer is. You just don't want to do it. But I challenge you. I encourage you. I equip you. I exhort you. I beg of you. I plead of you today to go home and to open your Bible and to say, God, I surrender to you. God, I'm tearing down my walls. I'm tearing down what I want to happen in this scenario. And I'm giving it to you. I'm trusting in you and in your faith, Father. Let my faith grow. And you start to read. You begin to look at his words. And you take those words. And you actually don't walk away. Being, okay, that was a great story. I did what man asked me to do. And now I'm done. But you look at this story. And you look at it from the context of a God. What is it that you're trying to show me right now? God, what is it that you're trying to teach me right now? God, what is it you want me to do right now? And then you take that and you pray over it and say, God, let me be a person of action. That you're compelled to go into scripture. You're compelled to see the living, breathing, truthful, challenging words of God and actually begin to apply it to your life. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness or love or mercy or grace to someone maybe to yourself. I don't know what it is, but God is calling you to be a person who's not just a hearer, but a person who's a doer. And the question is, are you willing to meet his faithfulness with your faith? Because if you truly want to see your faith grow, if you truly want to become a better person, if you truly want to make a difference, the answers are right here. You just got to be willing to do it. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, we are just so grateful every day for you. Father, for who you are. Father, for everything in our lives. Father, I know that it can be difficult because this world is powerful. Father, the schemes and the whims and the will of Satan, God, they're overwhelming at times. But God, as we sang earlier, there is victory in your name. Father, that we don't have to be afraid. Father, we don't have to doubt. Father, we don't have to worry because you've already given us everything we could possibly ask for and more. Father, and you've even conveniently written it down in this book, Father. Your words, your living, breathing words written down on this pages, Father, for us to read. And Father, yes, it may be uncomfortable. Father, yes, it may be convicting. Father, yes, it may be difficult and challenging, Father, but let us see that as you calling us to something greater. Calling us to break free from the things that hold us down. Calling us to be liberated from the things that are holding us back. Father, I pray that we could just have our faith explode. Father, that we would stop being Christians who just come and check box that we came, we attended service and go on our way, Father. Father, that you would convict us to something greater. Father, that you would challenge us and open our eyes to see, hey, you know what? This is what I need to hear. This is what I need to do. And maybe there's something in our lives, Father, that we've been neglecting doing or been hesitant to do, like maybe going to Long Beach or on a missions trip to Juarez, Father, or serving in some capacity, Father. I pray that, Father, today be the day that you let us be people of action. Father, that we would stop putting off for tomorrow because tomorrow is not promised. But Father, today, 
we would claim victory in you. Father, that we would truly become your hands and your feet. We pray this in your name.